0: Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shay. I'm joined by Dimity McDowell today. Hello, Dimity. Hi, D to the M to the I to the T to the Y. What do you think? <laughs> should, I, should I should I should I expand my name a little bit? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, I thought of you, Dimity, on Saturday when I was up running in Seattle. Yes, Um, our favorite place to get lost, right? (laughs) It's get get lost in Seattle, not sleepless. Um, So yeah, so I had taken my younger daughter, Daphne, and a friend of hers up because uh, my twins turned 14 on Sunday. And so Daphne asked to go to Seattle, yeah, for an overnight. So usually I run along the um, Elliott Bay, I believe it's called. So the saltwater. I'm like, oh, I'll go around Lake Union this time. Um, and oh, so famous last words, <laughs> famous last words, which is what you and I did. We were, it was your birthday in 2014. Okay. And so that's how I found out what year it was, because I I'm like, I know it was on Timmy's birthday. So I looked up May three in my phone and, uh, sure enough, there we were. And so you. I did pretty much the exact thing that you and I did, which is you run around Lake Union, which is this very nice lake in Seattle. And then when I get to the North part of it, I just somehow can't figure out how to stay on the trail. And (laughs) so then started heading too far East And but the thing is, is because Lake Union joins up with Lake Washington through what's called the cut. And so it's kind of like an enormous canal, for lack of a better term. And so you still have water on your right. (laughs) And if you're me, I think it's still like Union. Still the same lake, right? Yeah. Uh, Because it's all water that goes together. Yeah. 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 What what was that? Was it like the wall of death or something like that? what is that thing? I went past that again. Yeah, that wall. That's yes. so
1: funny because I was looking up on our website. I was looking up like vacation runs or something like that. And and uh-huh. I when I went back and did um, when you and I when when I did the road trip with my family from uh-huh. Portland back to Denver a couple years ago, I Grant and I ran in Seattle and it came past that and I was like, and my caption was, "Hey, at least I'm not lost this time." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, there you go. I can't can't say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Gosh, remember
1: we stopped those people and like, I couldn't, it was still, so 2014, so that's five years ago. And I'm like, I know I can figure out how to get the walk. Like I couldn't figure out how to pull Oh, I know I couldn't figure out how to walk, I told Yes, on my phone. I'm like, I know we can get back there somehow. I just don't
0: know how. (laughs) So, so hearkening back to that. So I, um, so when I finally was like, okay, this is, I'm not on like Union anymore. And so I looked down at my Coros. And it says that I've gone 6.04 miles. And then I open up Google Maps and press the little walk icon. And it tells me that I am four miles from the Airbnb. And I had intended to run between six and eight miles. I'm like, okay, I'm running 10. And um, so I just, but I did just turn that thing on. And it tells, you know, it says, turn left on the center street or whatever it is. And... So, um, and it was, there was one part though. Oh my gosh. It was so steep. It was almost like vertical. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to walk up that. Cause when it said turn left, I'm like, it can't mean that I have to go up that thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, in fact, it does. Yeah. Well, yeah. Lost technology, right. I mean,
1: they, you know, I mean, not. Oh, it, yeah. it's good also to, you know, be lost and figure it out too on your own. I don't know
0: how we used to do that though. honestly. Oh, I, oh uh, for real. Yeah. I mean, well, and even, I mean, to show the, to date ourselves in 2014, you and I thought we would have to hail a taxi to get back if yeah. we couldn't figure it out. Whereas this, I'm like, well, I got Lyft and Uber on my phone. So worst case scenario, I just hail one of those. So, um, and have the payment all taken care of. So anyway, so I was thinking about you a lot, Tim and Eve, <laughs> Saturday go. when I was running, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so times change, but. We still get lost. I still still get get lost. lost. (laughs) But I'm going, we're going back, Jack and I are uh, going back in late September for a family friend's wedding. And so, and I was looking at Airbnbs last night. I'm like, I think I'm going to choose that one. It's near Lake Union. I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) I can do this. I will plan my routes before.
1: So so what did you and Daphne do and her friend to celebrate her birthday?
0: So there's a restaurant up there that Daphne just adores so much. It's kind of, it's a high end pizza place called serious pie. And they not only have incredibly delicious kind of creative pizzas, they also have amazing coconut cream pie for dessert. So we went so good. Oh, (laughs)
2: I'm a little
0: hungry right now. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You're like, describe it to me more. Describe (laughs) it to me more. Uh, It was incredibly tasty. And then the place we were staying had a roof deck as many places do in seattle that's what i'm deciding that i mean a lot of hotels have roof decks a lot of apartment complexes or condo complexes so we went up there when we first got back from dinner when it was very much light out and it had a straight shot view to the um uh space needle and also the pop culture museum which is originally the rock and roll museum um and that's this really cool frank Gehry designed um modern kind of uh, looks almost like something out of a Lego design. It's very futuristic. Um, so that was cool. And so then the girls went up there again in the evening when it, when it got dark out, uh, they went up there by themselves. So, you know, when you're just 14, that seems very exciting. Yes. And, yes. and, then, and so I ran 10 miles the next morning and then the girls So you did 10 off. and then 10, you didn't adjust the second day. Oh no no! So I did ten on Saturday. We only went. We were only up there for a night. We got up there around oh, okay. uh, almost four o'clock on Friday. Oh, and we so it was left just a it. Uh, thing. We I were there for tw- almost exactly twenty four hours. I see. So then, uh, um, so then the girls. The plan had been that they would go off by themselves. Oh and, sure. Yes. So uh, so I went off. We just joined the Portland Art Museum. Jack and I did, and we joined at a level that has res- reciprocity at, um, a host of museums. Cause you know, I love that Dimity. Sure. Uh, so I went to the Seattle art museum and, um, you know, my, my Portland membership got me in for free. It was nice. And it was just, Oh, it's so nice to go to a museum and it's you know cool and it's quiet. And, oh, um, so yeah, it was just very, um, it was lovely uh, to borrow your phrase, Dimity. And then um, I grabbed something to eat, and uh, the girls and I reconnected and we drove home. So, because their birthday was on Sunday, and you know, want the whole family to be together on Sunday. So, that's great. Good. Yes. What, what do 14 year old girls want for their birthdays besides time alone with their friend in Seattle? <laughs> right. Oh, That was a big thing. Well, both John and Daphne, money, money, and more money is what they want because now they have debit cards. So, they oh. want mu- money in their accounts. But she wanted. Oh, you know, beauty products. She wanted, you know, this something from Milk Cosmetics, some, you know, kind of thing that's going to make her look radiant and um, <laughs> lush lip scrubs and certain types of lip balms. and So fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So it was a very good time. It was a very nice weekend. And the, um, John Daphne are really, I feel they're really buds now. And they really kind of s- seek each other out for entertainment, you know, oh, let's, let's, you know, play hearts together or, you know, come on, John, you, you said you'd, you know, play so-and-so with me now. And so it's, um, it's nice to see. And That's it also great. makes for a calmer household. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, what does it make for a calm household is when a mother runner is injured, right? Not mm-hmm. to make that, not to force that segue too hard. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, it is. Oh my gosh. It really can disrupt a whole household so today's topic is return to running oh yay um so our guests we have two guests um our first one is a running and triathlon coach from the train like a mother club then our guest after her will be a mom from Duluth who is coming back from a stress fracture and so alas Tim, you and I know that this topic is um to many mother runners something they can relate to so stay tuned our first guest is Elizabeth Liz Waterstrott, who is the running by heart rate and triathlon coach, one of them, in our Train Like a Mother club. Liz has been a professional coach for nearly a decade. She's the mom of three young kids, and her family lives in Naperville, which is a suburb of Chicago. Liz is a four-time Ironman World Championship qualifier. Yeah. So, um, and she has been on the program before. So welcome back to the show, Liz. Thank you for having me. We're really glad to have you here. So before we launch into injuries and
1: returning to running, um, let's talk a little bit, give, re- remind people about your athletic background and your personal athletic journey.
3: Sure. Um, I have a very unremarkable athletic background. <laughs> so um, I did not come from collegiate or high school sports. I found sports as an adult. I mean, I participated in track and cross country in high school, but was just really a gym rat in college found competitive sports more as an adult, just really got hooked into the lifestyle, the competition, and all of the uh, friends that you make along the way. Um, so I dabbled in some triathlons, and, and one thing led to another. I, 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 I did well and you know tried duathlon and eventually worked my way up to Ironman triathlon. Um, but I've done a little bit of everything, and I've been doing this stuff for over 20 years now.
1: That is great. That is great. And you started, so how long have you been coaching? Sarah said over a decade. Like, do you have a number on that or is that just a good mom estimate? <laughs> uh, since,
3: since 2007, I've, I've had a, a full-time coaching business. Okay. And so do you work with a range of athletes
1: you work from? Well, tell us who you work with, I guess.
3: Everyone all yeah. around the world, all ages mm-hmm. from the person, just getting off the couch to um, professional athletes Uh, And and I enjoy everyone.
0: Nice, nice, nice. So Liz, given the miles that you're putting in, I'm thinking the answer to this question might be yes. But um, do you personally have much experience with being injured?
3: As of recently, yes. But Mm. I've got to be honest that I never had an injury until about two years ago, which says a lot about, you know, sometimes the contributing factors to injury, which could be age or just cumulative wear and tear or fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't until I hit that 40-year barrier there uh, (laughs) when I, (laughs) right? Everything just goes south. (laughs) Everything. Uh, But no, in all seriousness, um, I've only had a few injuries. I've been very uh, grateful for my longevity and health along the way. Uh, and just more recently I've, I've uh, struggled through injury, but you know, it, like anything, it's, it's just a, almost a rite of passage as a, as a runner, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Well, I also think it speaks
1: to the, um, the ingredients in your training programs, right? Because you guys, you and, and Jennifer Harrison, who, who is your co-coach in the train like a mother club, you know, you guys put together programs that um, are super smart and deliberate as far as increasing mileage, but they also have a big strength component in them. And that's, I mean, you know, I imagine that you practice what you preach more days than not. Right. So, um, you know, making sure that you have the body to be able to support your running and your biking and your swimming um, is important as, as everybody knows if they ever listen to this podcast. (laughs) So, um, so, but okay. So you, so you've had a little bit of a taste of it yourself, but you've interacted with a ton of injured runners is, is our guess. Correct.
3: Absolutely. You know it's my my number one goal with any athlete is keeping them injury free. But what you learn over the years as an athlete yourself and a coach is that we sometimes have very little control over who gets an injury and when. There's a lot of factors at play here. So we can do our best, and it's good to have all all of the, you know, all of your ducks in a row when it comes to preventing injury, but sometimes, honestly, it just happens. And, and then you just have to deal with it and move forward. So I've had a lot of those situations over the year where now we have an injury and what do we do from here?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and so from working with these people, um, this range of athletes and these range of injuries, like which, if you had to g- guess or predict or, you know, give you perspective, <laughs> what'd you say, yeah.
0: Sarah? A wager. Uh-huh, wager.
1: Yeah. 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 What do you think is harder hardest part about an injury, is it the physical or is it the mental or is it, you know, the combination?
3: It's definitely a combination. And I think it depends on the person. You know, some people just thrive on the movement and and they're almost a little bit obsessive about being able to do something and getting out there and it it just sets them right, you know, to get out there and do their physical activity. Um, And then there's other people who it's more of an identity. And so, when you threaten that with an injury, you're threatening who they are and how they see themselves and how they fit into the world, their connection to a social circle, their self esteem, their confidence. So, I think it's, you know, it depends on the person, but there's a strong physical and a strong like emotional, social, mental part of it too. Gosh, I think that you just
1: nailed me and Sarah respectively. <laughs> right? No. Like, you I know what
0: but- the identity Sarah and I would say I'm more of the I've just got to move, you know? I know, although I did find myself nodding. I was like, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Yep, yep. So, and you you summarized it so well. I I stood I stood in awe listening to you. <laughs>
1: Um, well, so, and one of the things that, so as, as, over time, you have helped a lot of runners come back and we had a conversation at the Eau Claire retreat about you just putting together a short program to help people get over that hump about what to do, right. When they have been cleared to run after an injury, T- talk a little bit about the evolution of the return to running program or progression.
3: Well, like I said, you know, injury is, is a unfortunate, but often common thing that we come across as coaches and we tend to say the same thing over and over again to people as far as return to run. So we thought why not put it into a plan so that people have something that's been well thought out, developed, progressive for them to follow because you know, one of the most exciting things about coming from back from an injury is that you get to do what you love to do again. But it's yeah. also really scary because you know, you, you, you have the sense of, am I doing the right thing? Am I going to have to sit out again because I've, I've created another injury? So I think having a plan that's put together by people with the experience and, and the knowledge can be very comforting and reassuring so people know they're on the right track. And I, I don't know about you, but as an athlete, I just love having a plan. Yes. And, <laughs> and the fact that you can wake up every day and know exactly what you have to do I think that's one of the best parts about being an athlete and, and following a program and having a coach. So we wanted mm-hmm. to give those injured runners that, that sense again.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. That just just tell me what to do and I'll do it, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So in true AMR style, we put out a call for questions on Facebook. This time, we put it on our injured Bammers Facebook page, which is uh, we should mention is a closed group. So, um, you, but you can find it by searching injured hashtag Bammers. Um, two separate words injured and then hashtag Bammers and it's a closed group and they can ask to be allowed into it if you um, fall into that category. So the first question comes from Rachel and you've sort of touched on this, but um, she asked what, what is would be a good plan to follow when coming back from injury, but not yet ready to start race training. So, I mean, can you, without giving away, you know, the, the cow, could you just, you know, touch upon what are some of the elements of a good, of a good plan, such as the return to running program?
3: The Return to Run program is very progressive. So it's assuming that you're starting almost from ground zero. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you've done a little bit of walking. Uh, maybe you've done some cross training. But it's really intended to just get you back on your feet again, not even thinking ahead to this person might race. I mean, if you race again, that's great. But the purpose is just let's let's focus on these next two months of training and get you back to the point where you can continuously run again and stay injury-free. So mm-hmm. I think that's just, it's a great program just to get you back out there and and off on the right foot, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what it is, just to, just to take a quick step back. And so the return to run progression is four weeks. Um, so it is uh, four weeks of running three times a week. But the, the kicker is, is that you have to be able to finish one workout um, injury-free before you can move on, you know, injury and pain free. I mean, I should have said pain free, obviously you wanna finish every workout injury free. So if you get caught up in the second run in week two and you're like, oh, I don't feel like I did that very well or I hurt or I don't feel like I'm ready to progress, then you hang there for a while and do that a couple times um, until you're ready to move on to the next one. So it's, it's a four week program, but it may take you five weeks or six weeks or seven weeks and we're there to support you for that, right Liz? Correct. Yes. Correct. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure I had that right. And then what we did is we we sandwiched it with the um, intro, um, the introduction of return to or running by heart rate. Excuse me. I have all my there's so many running terms in there. So it's called um, <laughs> running by heart rate and introduction. That's the official name. And um, so what that is is an eight week program. And again, um, Liz and Jen are the um, expert coaches in the group. And so they're going to oversee your whole recovery for. 12 weeks or maybe a little bit longer, which is a nice chunk of time to just take the pressure off, have some coaching so that you do have that, oh, I had a niggle in my foot and that's the one that I hurt. You can ask them like, it's going to be okay. This is what I want you to do. Um, And then after three months of that, then you can kind of say, okay, maybe I want to put my eyes back on a half marathon. Maybe I want to just do what I'm doing and take the pressure off as far as races go. Like There are a lot of options, but what what Liz has said is we want to get you back to a place where you can run carefree and injury free and and enjoy it one of the one of the tenets of the return to running progression is a walk run which is pretty typical for any kind of um getting back into running Is a walk run you know segments of each run Um, at what point um sarah was asking on the injured bammers page when can you switch over to a straight run instead of doing walk run intervals
3: that's a really good question and i'm not sure that you're going to like my answer so I think, <laughs> I think that once you've had an injury, it's always a good idea to keep some walking in your run training. Um, you know, some runners, especially more beginner runners, have this idea that if they don't run the whole way, they haven't really run. I think walking is a great proactive strategy to keep you healthy. Um, those walk breaks help you to unload tension, reset your form, refresh your mental energy, let go of some of the heat stress that builds, that increases your heart rate on a run as you go further on. Um, So really the answer is you never really have to switch from run walk. Now the duration that you run will increase. And I would say go 10 minutes at the most without a walk break. But if you like those walk breaks and you feel like you need those walk breaks, there is no guilt associated with taking those walk breaks. Personally, when I came back from my injury, I think the walk breaks are what helped me to keep building up my run and keep me injury free so i kept them in there for a full year after Hmm. running Mm -hmm. after coming back from that injury i just and i and i was someone who i had never taken a walk break before because to me walking was failure Um, but then Mm -hmm. i started doing it and i thought this is great because even on those days where i was getting frustrated with myself because i was slow or felt heavy that little walk break was like pressing the reset button every every 10 minutes So I would say once you get to the point where you can run 10 minutes straight, you can start thinking about taking those walk breaks out or shortening them up, but don't feel like you have to do that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I used to do that a lot on my bike. I would, And I would literally call it a reset because my lower back would get so tight. I just stop, put my feet on the ground, take them out of the pedals and just stand up. And it just, you know, 30 seconds of that is just exactly what you need to say, okay, you know what, everything kind of, chilled out a little bit, <laughs> you know, every, not, nothing is quite so angry and I can keep keep going for a nice stretch. So, um, and I, I definitely do it on the run now. So yeah, I, I really agree with that as far as, um, I mean, if you, you know, if you're going to win the USA track and field, you know, 5,000, yes, we probably need to t- get the <laughs> walk out of there beyond that, you know, like let's, let's be kind to your body, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So Heather has, um, Suffered from a stress fracture, and she was wondering, when I return, will I be more prone to stress fractures? Um, she wants you, Liz, to address the muscle wasting that happens with being non-weight bearing and how that evens itself out when you resume running. So, I guess let's unpack that first. So, the, so once you have a stress fracture, are you prone to more stress fractures?
3: Uh, it depends, but I would say that especially in the first month that you introduced weight, that you introduced weight bearing exercise again. Yes, you are more at risk for a bone-related injury because you have lost Mm -hmm. bone density from taking out the weight-bearing. So it's that first month where you come back where it's really critical to follow a program, to listen to your body, and we'll talk about this a little bit later on, making sure that the factors that led to that stress fracture have been addressed.
1: Okay. Um, Is there anything, um, you know, I know that we've talked about this not on this podcast, but I mean, vitamin D or getting a bone scan or making sure that you have, you know, enough calcium, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it, can you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, you know, there's a question actually later on where I was going to going to bring some of that up. Okay, um, all
1: right, let's 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 put that and hold on hold then for a second. Okay. All right, so muscle wasting that happens with being non-weight bearing, that's the worst, like when you take off a cast or you take <laughs> off the boot and you're like, oh my God, what is this piece of licorice that used to be my limb, you know? <laughs> so yeah. Talk about that.
3: Um, so definitely, like, let's say you've had a stress fracture in your foot and you've worn a boot for four to six weeks. When you take that boot off, the calf will be smaller and, and everything just is is much weaker. And the amount of force that you can put out with that leg is going to be much less. So there's not a whole lot immediately that you can do about it, but it's more of just being mindful that there is a discrepancy between one foot versus the other. So that means that that stronger foot or leg is going to have to absorb more of the load because that other injured, now recovered leg or foot is not as strong. So it's all about figuring out how to rebalance, re-strengthen, and to really take your time coming back. Because what often happens is that injured leg is all healed. And then all of a sudden the other leg starts hurting because it's having to compensate.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when I was thinking about this podcast, um, this morning after my run, I was thinking about the difference between soft tissue and hard tissue injuries, like the difference in coming back. And you kind of touched on it. That was intriguing to me about that. After a stress fracture, you have that first month, you have a higher incidence of perhaps getting another one, but dim and I, you know, like when I've got, when I've had plantar fasciitis twice, you know, she's been like, yeah, dim's been injured more, but she oftentimes has, you know, a, a fractured bone, a, a broken bone, that sort of thing. And that those have, you know, Dim and I would talk about it, and those have kind of more a set end date, whereas plantar fasciitis, you're like, I don't know, maybe I'm going to have it for another year. I don't know, maybe it's going to go away in four weeks. So could you talk about maybe a little bit the difference in coming back from those two different types of injuries? Sure. You know, soft versus hard tissue.
3: Well, the, the comeback is, is very similar as far as how you approach it. The timeline is usually a little bit more predictable with the bone injury because once a bone heals, it heals. But let's say you strain your hamstring. Well, you're always, you know, if you've ever had like a strained hamstring or you've had plantar fasciitis, it's like you're always on that edge of, am I, is this like little pickup in my speed going to flare something up? So I feel like with the bone injury, once you're healed, you're kind of well on your way. Um, as long as and we'll talk about these factors later, as long as those factors are addressed, but you're kind of well on your way to a, a normal return to 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 running. Whereas the soft tissue stuff really takes a lot more of like day-to-day management and self-care and the rolling and the icing and the stretching and all that stuff. So I think the soft maintenance, the soft tissue stuff is almost like a little more higher maintenance. Um, mm-hmm, whereas mm-hmm. the the bone, it's like once it's healed you're kind of good to go. You, you don't have to sit there and roll things out and, and do all of that mm-hmm. soft tissue work. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel also the psychology, because now I have had a, a bone injury, the fractured my ankle in four places and had surgery. Ooh. And that, um, so I felt a lot like this, the mental feeling, um, the thinking that went in, you know, with my plantar fasciitis, I'm always like, Oh, oh is that a feel? Oh, is that a twinge? Is that a, uh. Uh-uh? whereas, you know, with the ankle, I'm like, okay, you know, so this is what I can do today. And hopefully tomorrow I can do that. And it was a, it was, I didn't have so much concern and worry with each step that I was taking.
3: Yeah. You know, because like once, once the bone is healed, like you, you don't feel pain anymore. You know, I think it's mm-hmm. like a, a very reassuring process. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like the soft tissue stuff is sometimes so unpredictable. Unpredict- you don't know what's going to flare it up and you don't know mm-hmm. how you're going to feel the next day. So it's, I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. both hard to come back from, but and they have their, mm-hmm. their different difficulties. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And I promise I will let Dimity talk again, but I'm one of, <laughs> uh, so, so, several women had a similar question about gait on our Facebook page saying they know injury can change their gait and they're worried then about how that, uneven gait when they return to running might cause a different injury. And Lindsay summed it up as if an uneven gait is inevitable at this point, is there a way to reduce, reduce my risk of gait associated injury? So I guess is an uneven gait inevitable? And then how do you, if it is, how do you make sure that doesn't lead to a secondary injury?
3: It's part of the process. And at some point, yes, you will be uneven. But I think that this shows the need for whenever something happens, get in to see a sports doctor or a PT right away so you can start addressing the why and work on that imbalance, even when you're injured. Like, even when you're injured, there's still usually mobility work you can do, strength training work you can do. And that way you can start to minimize, you know, the difference between one side and the other. So that way when you return to running, it's not this huge difference and then your gait is all funky. So strength training, mobility work, um, getting a gait analysis as soon as you are able to run again, making sure you're in the right shoe, just all of those little things that will help you to have just a more balanced gait.
1: Um, so Stephanie is looking forward to um, getting your input on how to get our motivation back when returning from injury, which is a little obviously the mental side of things.
3: Yeah, that's an interesting question, right? Because you would think that you've got the green light, you're healed, you're ready to go, you would think that you would just be so fired up to get back out there that you can't contain yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really Mm -hmm. relate to what she's saying, because I have personally found coming back from injury, it takes me a while. And there's there's a lot of reasons, you know, part of that, I think is the fear. Um, The other part is that have you ever tried to get back into running after not running for maybe a few months? Yes. Like it's really
1: hard. It is hard. It is very it is. hard. Yeah,
3: It's yes. not fun. No. You feel heavy, sloppy. And this one, this thing that you used to love doing and came to you so easily is now an extreme labor and you're huffing and puffing and you're not getting as far. And so you're not getting like the same buzz from it or reward from it. So, I would say if, if you're like that, you're a little bit tentative about getting back out there. You're not motivated. That's normal. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, But I would say you just have to, um, you know, focus on something else. So maybe it's just, I get to be outside in nature again, or um, it's celebrating the small victories. Like, okay, I made it through ten by one minute reps. That's great. I got to run ten minutes more today than I did in the last, you know, three months. Um, try a new route. You know, make it kind of fresh and fun again. Go with a friend. Maybe there's someone in your neighborhood who has always wanted to start running. And they, they never were brave enough to do it, you get them out there with you in your return to run. Um, I did this last year when I was coming back from an injury. I grabbed some of my neighbors and we did a little <laughs> walk run and, and then they were running. And so it made me feel better about the whole process too. Absolutely, um, That's awesome. buy, and, and then this is silly, buy yourself a new pair of shoes, buy yourself a cute new pair of shorts like sometimes you, you just need to do the little like fake it till you make it approach. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, just, mm-hmm. you know, make it, make it fun. Just be like, I'm out there wearing my new stuff and, and just, you know, have some fun with it.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, just going back a little bit to what Liz was saying, it, it's um, you know, having a plan to follow is really good because then you know, you know, if if everything if you do the things and you and in your body cooperates you're going to end up where you want to be but i also find like having a little checklist like making a little box and saying i'm going to run monday wednesday friday and putting that you know and then checking it off when you do that there's like some real gratification in writing it down and then getting it done and it's a different kind of gratification than um than when you're like training for a marathon say there's just I don't know. It's just like, okay, this is where I am and this is where I want to be. And I'm just gonna like slowly get there step by step. And and I realize that's kind of the perspective of all of running, but it seems to be much more intense when you're coming back. The other thing that also happens too is if you have had like a completely sideline, you know, I am not able to move much at all, um, you know, it's hard to find that space again. It's hard to find your rhythm again to say I'm gonna get up at five thirty and get out by six, you know, because you've been sleeping in or something else has gobbled up that time. So there's a lot of reasons why I think your motivation can wane. So trying to, you know, just slowly get it back again is is easy or is a, is a good way to think about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this question comes from Kelly and she wants to know if you have any recommendations for someone who is incredibly injury prone. And so that she said, if she had, a, if Liz, if you had a fragile in her word training client, like her, um, how would you approach running miles per week intensity or strength training program? So she can, you know, continue to get out there and put in her miles in a healthy manner. Yeah. And just her a little bit more background. She hasn't been able to run consistently more than a year or two
1: since she was 20 she's 36 now, so 16 years of you know, more, more or less regular injuries.
3: Yeah, I, I love her question, um, it's, it's really honest and she's obviously been through a lot, which is frustrating because I, I feel like she has these glimpses of greatness in a year and then gets an injury, which is, is no fun to be sidelined again. But when I look at a question like this, I think of like three things, You know, talking about a fragile athlete and, and really what I wanna know is why is this person fragile? And there's usually three reasons why someone's fragile. And the first is their training approach. And she's kind of alluded to some of that, that in the past she's gone too fast or ran too many miles. But, you know, in general, if you're following a a sound training plan, you know, one that's progressive and includes rest days and cross training, there really is no reason why you should get injured. You know, as long as there's unloading weeks in there from time to time where you take the mileage down, you should be able to sustain that. So it sounds like she's addressed that. The other thing I would look at is nutrition. And this is a really complicated topic, but a lot of injuries can come from poor nutrition with women. And I'm not saying that this person has to necessarily have an eating disorder, but it might be um, what they're finding now is that if you have an energy deficit day to day, because you're, you know, you're too busy in your real life or you're just not meeting your energy demands, that actually puts you at a higher risk for injury. So I would just wanna make sure that she's worked with a dietitian to be sure all of her macronutrients are where they need to be. Is she fueling to support not only her athletic lifestyle, but her real lifestyle? I mean, if you have little kids, you're on your feet all day and you're just burning all sorts of calories. Um, so just making sure that all of the nutrition piece is there and in place. The last thing I would say that needs to be addressed with a fragile athlete is, is there an underlying medical condition? So for somebody who's had an injury every year or something since they were 20, I would think that there's some sort of possibly undiagnosed condition. One of the big ones that we see with people is they have undiagnosed celiac, which means that you're not absorbing your nutrition. So those people tend to get a lot of broken bones, stress fractures, just their body breaks down. So I would want to make sure that she's had that looked at. Thyroid hormones, sometimes when it's hyperthyroid, that can infect your bone density. Um, Other things to look at would be vitamin D status. Ferritin can impact your injury status. Um, If she's taken meds for asthma or other conditions, things like steroids such as prednisone, um, that family of medication, Um, How are her calcium levels looking at parathyroid? Is she losing calcium in her urine? Um, So those are just some of the different medical things. And Dimity, you had mentioned this before, getting a DEXA scan would be Really important. So that's where they look at your bone density, and making sure that she doesn't have something underlying like osteopenia or osteoporosis, which can just be hereditary, or it can be a result of too much athletics and not enough, you know, good nutrition. Um, But just I would take a look at some of those things, and, and as well as hormones. So our hormones can influence like our injury status as well. So especially as we get older, low estrogen or just not the right balance of hormones. So a lot of stuff going on there. If she's fragile, I would say get to a doctor and, and let's figure out why. Um, and it might be that she's she's not doing the right type of strength training or she has something really strange in her gait, but someone who's been just repetitively injured like this, I would say go to a medical doctor, sports medicine doctor, and see if you can get to the underlying reason. And I bet there's something there. Okay. I think I think that's
0: really could be very eye opening for a lot of people listening that, you know, that I I think there would be a tendency to think that, oh, I'm doing this wrong or it's my shoes or it's, you know, something I'm running on the wrong surface. And to know that there might be um, medical underlying medical causes, I think, could really be a game changer for a lot of people.
3: Yeah. And a lot of them are somewhat easy to fix you know, Mm -hmm. and, and will save you just a lot of heartache down the road when you encounter that injury again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, and I'm
1: curious, so just like, just playing devil's advocate. Okay. She goes to the doctor, she, you know, she goes down a whole bunch of rabbit holes and everything is more or less fine, or she fixes, you know, the stuff that's easily fixable. Um, And I mean, is there a point, like, I always feel like there's like this tipping point where, you know, I'm good for a while and then something happens and I've just gone over the edge. Like, how do you find that like place where you are, you know, you know, you're pushing yourself just enough, but you don't, you're not pushing yourself so, so hard. And I realize, you know, most training plans, you know, do take you up very progressively and incrementally and, and kind of, you know, so it's not necessarily the training plan stuff, but just like on a day to day basis, you know, like, yeah, that's kind of a (laughs) nebulous question, but.
3: No, that's a, that's a great question. And I think, um, you know, what I would suggest she does is take a look back at the last 20 years and look for clues, look for patterns. Is it that, you know, she gets back into speed work and six weeks later she's injured. Is it at a certain time of the year? Like maybe, you know, is it, is it more in the summer that she's getting injured because the kids are home and she's just busier in general, or she's an accountant and every, February, she gets injured because that's her busy season. Um, Is it related to a certain type of training plan, like one that has more intensity versus more miles? Um, I, I would just start looking for some patterns, make a list and just see if you can start to figure out like, what's your formula? Like I know for myself, after six to eight weeks of doing intensity, I'm done. Like I need to stop, take a break or I will get sick or injured. And it's just something I've learned the hard way by running into that brick wall year after year. You know, so there's always some type of pattern. It might take a little bit of digging to figure it out, but I bet it's in there. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. So, all right, we have a question from Karen who wants to know about dealing with lower back issues. I think so often it's easy to think, oh, well, we're runners and it's feet, calves, hips, you know, knees, that sort of thing. But, you know, as, as Dim can attest and me at certain times, uh, lower backs can um, try to grab their fair share of attention as well.
3: Yeah, I, I mean... When you think about the back, um, it's subject to a lot of wear and tear over the years and the cushion in between our vertebrae just degenerates over time. And and sometimes it's not because of anything you're doing or not doing. It's just over time that happens. So when you have those lower back issues, you know, you want to proceed cautiously. So this is a person I would say less is more, less running is more, more walk breaks, more cross-training, non-impact type of cross-training, whether it's rowing, elliptical, step-mill. Core strength becomes critical, making sure that everything is is stable down there and, and can help support so the lower back doesn't have to kick in. I think this is one situation where Pilates would be wonderful to help you decompress all of the compression that's probably taking place. Yoga would probably be a good idea making sure you're in the proper shoe Um, and, you know, the lower back thing, it can be managed, but it's going to take some work. Uh, And, you know, it's also one of those things where you don't want to push it when you're feeling pain. So as long as you can manage the pain and it's not getting worse, I would proceed. But if the pain starts to get worse, you know, this is, this is one where I would say, be, be really cautious with how you proceed. Yeah.
1: I would also add to this knowing, having, having a pretty irritated lower back a lot of the time it's not just about the sport or the activity it's not about the cross training and the running it's about how you stand all day long how much you're looking down at your phone what your desk look like you know as far as your posture if you sit at a desk along a lot of time a long day can't talk right now um but you know what i'm saying like there's definitely it's not just about the actual activity it's about 24 7 how are you supporting your back
0: mm-hmm. yeah your maybe your mattress something like that as well yeah. Um, okay,
1: so then let's talk about um, recommendations for strengthening moves to help stabilize the hips. This is from Stephanie, and she is living with a labral tear, which I've seen quite a bit of those come across our Train Like a Mother Desk, where I'm sitting up properly. Um, uh, it's caused by hip impingement, and she's trying to delay surgery as long as possible. Um, so she really wants help in just getting her hips stronger and more stable.
3: So. This is like those basic PT moves. You know, every time you go to the PT, I feel like no matter what your injury is, you're, you walk out of there doing clams. Yes. <laughs> uh, right? You get the band and they tell you to go home and do clams and reverse clams and you're all set. But um, that kind of stuff can work. So clams, anything that involves hip ad- abduction, which is, you know, bringing your hip and your leg away from your body, um, like the, the fire hydrant, if you've ever been down on all fours and you lift your mm-hmm. leg up like a dog at a fire hydrant, anything that's going mm-hmm. to strengthen those glutes. Um, Again, Pilates, like rebalancing the body. I will say, though, that with the labral tear, I do find sometimes that all of those exercises tend to worsen that condition. So I would say just to be careful. I mean, obviously, there's something in there, and there's a reason why you're in pain. And, you know, it, it might be difficult to improve that. Just manage the pain. If you feel like you get into these exercises and it helps, stick with it. But if you feel like it's making worse, making it worse, then, you know, I, I wouldn't feel like you need to force the strength training on it. Um, okay. Yes. Surgery in that case, I mean, surgery is frustrating, but the nice thing about the labrum uh, surgery is that they get you right on a bike. Like you're on a bike almost the next day, easy spinning to promote better recovery. So it's a long recovery, but it's, it's a lot more mobile than, you know, if you had something made even like a knee repaired or, or your back repaired.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. and
3: can you just talk a little bit about if you
1: don't have a labrum tear, let's talk about hip stability and strength as a whole. I mean, and I know you always leave the PT it's glute bridges, it's clamshells, yeah. uh, you know, those kind of things, but they're kind of like, they, they're kind of like pushups or, um, other stuff that just never gets easier, but they always are beneficial or that's my take on them. What's, what's your take on
3: them? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, when you walk out of the PT office, they usually give you a band and what you might not know is there's all different colors of bands. So if the green band is too easy for you, you go to the blue band or the silver band or the black band. Sure. So if you, if you feel like you've gotten to the point where with the clams and the blue bridges and the marching and all that different stuff where you're like, I don't feel like this is doing anything for me go back to the PT, ask for the next heavier resistance of band or add a five pound, um, ankle weight. You know, those things like you see people walking around your neighborhood with ankle weights on and you think, what are they doing? That is such a great piece of strength training equipment right there. Because like, if you're standing there and you're doing hip abduction, And if you just stand there, and even with a band, sometimes the resistance isn't enough. If you add an ankle weight to that, all of a sudden there's really good resistance. So I would say in all of these exercises that you get, if you feel like you've graduated and they are no longer a challenge, then it's up to you to to tell the PT or to add weight yourself and make it more challenging and force your body to adapt to that new challenge. Amen. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So, well, Coach Liz, you have proven that you are just a font of advice and been there, seen that, done that. So um, we know you're going to be, you and Jen Harrison are going to be such great resources in the Return to Running program. So thanks so much for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: Our next guest is Emily Opisich, a mother runner of three young kids from Duluth, Minnesota. Emily was at our Eau Claire retreat, and because of the conversation that bubbled up between Dim and Coach Liz and some other people, Emily got to try out the new return to running plan. Emily had a stress fracture in her foot, and she was out of running for three months. Thanks for joining us, Emily. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell folks the ages of your kids, and I have to say I always love having another twin mom on the show.
2: Yes, yes. So my, my oldest daughter just turned six this summer. And then I have boy-girl twins who are two. Nice, oh my gosh, have, wow! And how's your summer there, going? Been there, done that. <laughs> it's, it's it's they're running me ragged, yeah. but it's a good thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, when, when when does your six-year-old start kindergarten this year or first grade?
2: Yeah, she'll start kindergarten in September. Oh, okay. And how are we feeling about that overall? Good, good. good. She's she's ready. She's excited. She wants a big backpack uh-huh. and we're ready to rock. <laughs> nice, nice. <A> big <laughs> backpack and some big books to go in there. Yep, <laughs> yep. That's what she's most excited about. <laughs> you're like, um, dude,
1: you're not carrying books, you're carrying a change of clothes in case you need them.
2: <laughs> right, <laughs> like, and a box of crayons. <laughs> a box of crayons, exactly. <laughs> um, so, Emily, tell us a little
1: bit about your running. Um, about when did you start running and what? how do you like to run? Like, do you like to race
0: or that kind
2: of thing? Sure, sure. Um, I've been running on and off for 11 years now. So I got into running by accident in 2008. I did my first 5K. My friend's mom had passed away unexpectedly. She was a runner. And so they had organized a 5K in her honor to raise money Mm -hmm. for a scholarship. And I did not grow up running. I didn't know anyone who ran. I did not know what a 5K was. So I showed up in jeans and a sweatshirt, thinking it was, it was an auction, and maybe there would be lunch. And I got there and quickly realized that's not what 5K means. Um, so I walked the 5K in my jeans, had the best time, and I just thought, what a neat thing that people come together and run and cheer, and um, I just thought it was the most awesome idea ever. So I had reached out to my friend after that and said, you need to teach me how to do this because I I want to run. I want to do these in not jeans. (laughs) So (laughs) she helped me sort of, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) she helped me kind of navigate, um, yeah, just how to, how to run and what to wear and what races there are or how to find races. Um, so I've been running on and off since then. I, um, I've done six half marathons. That's the furthest race distance I've done. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just, yeah, I'm kind of dabbling in triathlon and trail running. And uh, right now I'm not signed up for any races that I plan to race. Uh, But normally I'll do a couple races a year. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I just like to get out and, and run um, with, you know, friends around town and we live right on Lake Superior here. So we have a beautiful lake walk. Um, so I try to get down there just to be outside and enjoy the beautiful scenery.
1: Lake Superior. That is such a, oh my gosh. I, uh, the awesome. is a place that I could live if it didn't have like, February and March.
2: <laughs> That's it. Yep.
1: It's <laughs> like one month winter. When the summer comes or when the winter comes, it feels nice, but then it, get, it drags out a little bit. Um,
2: it, yeah, it gets old fast.
1: Yeah. Well, so let's talk about your running injury. So, was this stress fracture? How did it come on? Or do you know why it came on? And was this the first time that you've had an injury like that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so, I got injured in February of 2018. I was in the middle of um, a half marathon training plan. Mm hmm. And I've never had a stress fracture before. That was my first time. I did meet with a sports medicine doctor um, after that, and he attributed it to low vitamin D levels, um, which we had checked after the fact. And so my, my vitamin D level was 15, and normal would be 27 to 80. Um, oh, wow. He recommends a goal closer to 40 for people who run, so we, we are blaming it mostly on that. Um, I was in a boot and, and not running um, or doing any weight bearing exercise for three months with that injury. So all I could do was swim and do um, seated core work. So I, was, I, was, I went from training really hard to race a half to not running at all, which is always a challenge sure. uh, mentally and physically. Um, So then in May, I went to the Eau Claire retreat, I had been planning to run that half marathon, that's what I was training for. I ended up walking the the 5k. um, And I had been walking up until that point. Um, I met with I had signed up for a one on one coach session with coach Jen at the retreat. And I wanted to kind of pick her brain about the best way to return to running after this um, big injury that had me essentially starting back at square one, it felt, mm-hmm. and we had chatted about um, just different ideas and the best way to go about that. She had mentioned that this program was in the works, um, and so it worked out really nicely that I was able to give that a try in, in May is when I started the Return to Run program. Nice,
1: and now we are
2: recording this at the end of July, so um, so tell us, how did it go? <laughs> It was fabulous. Um, You know, with any training plan, I think you glance ahead to the last page and think there's no way. Sure, yeah. Um, But it was a a four-week program. It started out, um, I don't want to say easy because at that point, anything feels challenging, but reasonable, I guess is the word I would use. Yeah, doable, yep. I didn't feel like there was no way I could do this. Um, So it was a a one-minute run, one-minute walk progression that first week. And I, I started, I didn't have any pain. I felt great being out there again. Um, and by the time I got to the end of week four, I was doing it. I I never felt like there was one that I couldn't complete. Um, even though again, glancing ahead on that first week, you think, Oh, how will I ever get there? But you do, you follow the plan and Mm -hmm. it's laid out real nicely. Um, Part part of what I appreciated, too, is there were really nice guidelines in the plan for how to evaluate your pain. Oh, hmm. You know, I think coming back from an injury, you always think, okay, what is this tweak? What is that? Um, should I stop running? Do I keep running? What do I do? And there were some pointers written into the plan, um, you know, about stopping running if you're feeling pain during the run, but here's a situation where it might be okay to push through. And that just eased my mind a little bit, um, in, in kind of working through those first stages where it's scary to run after an injury. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that helped kind of ease my mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if we could, um, dial the clock back to february when you were told no running for three months i mean where did your mind go when you were told that
2: uh um it's well it's devastating you know when you run that's part such a big part of who you are um so it's it was devastating at first And then I went through the anger stage of, I don't want to run anyway. I'm never going to run again. And I (laughs) kind of went through that. (laughs) Exactly. I'll show you. (laughs) Um, And so I just sort of thought, I'm not, I'm, I just won't run again. I'm going to be done and kind of worked my way through those emotions. Um, I was, I would swim during that time, which is lovely. Um, and I enjoy swimming, but it's just not the same. <laughs> and so after a few weeks, I finally came around to, okay, maybe I'll try running again. Um, but then that fear of how do I do that? And where do I even begin, um, you know, in to, to start running, I had met with that sports medicine doctor, um, and he was very, very helpful. But I've never I've never met with someone after an injury and had a plan plan really laid out for me. Sure. Um, so, so strategically um, as this plan was, you know, they'll give you a, you know, run this amount or, or do this and watch out for these things. Um, but, but this was a nice way to kind of feel more confident um, going into it with a, here's what I do today. Here's what I'm doing. Yeah, later this week and supported too,
1: right? Because they are accessible. Absolutely, that's the thing is, they're on. You know, if you're a Facebooker, they're on the Facebook page. They have office hours. If you need to call, you know, an email also works. I mean, they definitely. You know, they are very much aligned with a train like a mother club kind of motto. We just want to keep you moving forward. We want to keep you healthy and moving forward. So, you know, whatever they can do within reason to help you do that is. Um, I just think that that's nice. Just having a little you know, it's kind of like a little gust of wind behind you, right? When you need it. Absolutely. So, um, so when you, when you now, you know, now that you're back to running, um, I'm curious, like, what do you have as far as, as have you, do you have any perspective changes on running post-injury? Like anything that feels different or anything that you're doing differently?
2: Yeah. I, so from the return to run program, I started the intro to heart rate training. Mm -hmm. So that was my, I've never done heart rate training. That was my um, sort of kick to, to give that a try. My mindset currently is um, less, less pushing myself to go faster and harder. Um, I think this injury made me realize how much I just love running and moving forward like you said and being outside and and I want to be able to do that in some regard for a very long time and so Mm -hmm. if that means I go for a walk or I go for a bike or I go for a a run that is a slower pace than I would have preferred a year ago that all feels great Um, so I've been enjoying the the heart rate component as well and learning more about that um i'm i'm not signed up for any races i don't intend to sign up for any races this year anyway Mm -hmm. Um, i just want to be out there moving and appreciating the fact that i i get to return to running in some form after this injury Um, because that that is what is most important to me versus hitting that pr at this point Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that perspective, and we both know from we all know from personal experience is so valuable. You know, it it really makes you kind of take stock in in what on a higher level is is important. And it's the being out there being active in some way, shape or form, perhaps, you know, being with a training partner or somebody like that, that you enjoy spending time with, you know, you just were like, okay, it's not just about hitting that time that I thought was the, the end all and the be all. Yeah. absolutely.
1: Well, and it's, and that is the bright side to injury or the upside to injury is that you, you know, it, you appreciate it more, right. You just appreciate the actual fact that you can get up and go for a run or that you're out in the fresh air in the morning time or whatever it is that, you know, kind of brings you joy in re year running. Right. You know, so, I mean, yeah. it, it just, you know, it's just always, you, you don't realize how much you value something until you have it taken away. And then, yeah. and, mm-hmm. then it's taken, and
2: mm-hmm. also I, yeah, go ahead. because mm-hmm. um, well, also I, I notice so much more when I'm out on my runs. So I'm not mm. so focused on on hitting that certain pace. So I'm looking around more, and there are <laughs> flowers and animals and trees and you know um, the the lilac smelled really good this year, and all of these things that I I've been oblivious to in previous training cycles, just because I'm so focused on that particular goal of that day. And so that has been a fun side effect of the injury too, Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. um, just being more aware of, of the beautiful things that are out there around me when I'm running. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so so go ahead, Sarah, you can ask her what advice
0: she has. Yeah. I was. Or, um, were there any, do you have any new practices that came out of, you know, being injured? Are you doing more strength training? Did you, did you keep up the swimming? Are you eating more dairy or dark leafy greens or, you know, popping vitamin D pills.
2: Yeah, so I've been taking a vitamin D supplement, um, but also I've been doing a warm up before my runs, which mm-hmm. I let fall to the wayside previously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've incorporated that back in. Um, I've been trying to keep up on my strength training as well. So I've been doing the YouTube um, the train like a circuit. mother circuits, yeah. The train like a mother circuits, mm-hmm. yep. Um, so I've been doing that. I've kept up on the swimming and the biking um, and that part of it. So just trying to incorporate all of the, the bigger picture part of it um, to, to keep things hopefully healthy and moving forward. That's great.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, and if you have somebody who is listening right now who has a stress fracture or plantar fasciitis or is just sidelined for another reason, you kind of what advice do you have from them, Emily, that, that, that you would say, or what advice would you give them?
2: Hang in there. Yep. Um, <laughs> hang in there. Get through the ickiest parts of it because you will, and then let yourself be mad. Let yourself be sad. That's okay. Um, but but once you're ready, think about what it is you love about running, and let yourself get back there. And like for me, whether that means just being out there and enjoying moving forward. Or if for you it is racing and hitting that PR, let yourself get back there to be able to enjoy that again. Um, don't, don't hate the entire idea. So mourn, mourn your injury, and then look forward to what you want to accomplish in the future, and and let yourself reach for those goals again. Love it. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Emily. We really appreciate your perspective and your anecdotes. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, and many more injury-free, happy miles to you, friend. <laughs> many happy miles. Well, Dim, it's pretty amazing. You and I are both injury-free right now, right? Unless you're keeping uh, something from me. Yeah. I, you're I, keeping I, something from me, aren't you?
1: <laughs> I, I'm not injured. I, I have a lot of niggles that I feel like I need to address, but I think... Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, mostly you're for you're for I'm
1: for gila. Maybe I need to go to the doctor, which I know actually I do need to do. I have this well, two things that I won't go too much into depth, but they are related. Uh, I have my middle toe on my right foot um, is like lollipop shaped, like it's super swollen at the tip. Um, mm-hmm. or, you know, above the kind of the second knuckle of your channel, mm-hmm. I guess maybe only yeah. And anyway, so I went to my regular podiatrist and I thought that it was just an issue with that's my foot. That's my kind of Achilles heel. And I was like, okay, so do we just need to move something around on my orthotics or what do we need to do to, to fix this? And he's <laughs> like, oh, he's like, I think that that's really related to, um, like the nerve that goes, it, it travels all the way up your foot, up your leg, up your, to your back. Um, and so-
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and,
1: and my right hamstring is not happy at all these days, um, especially when I drive too much. Um, mm. So anyway, it's not interesting. It is one of those things that, you know, I can manage it, and I need to maybe be a little bit more on top of it because he, the podiatrist definitely wanted me to go see my regular doctor, which that was probably about six months ago, and I just haven't been okay. about it yet. So.
0: Get thee to a doctor. Well, get yeah, thee to a doctor. Talk yeah. about
1: well. That's a whole other <laughs> conversation we won't yeah, go. Yeah. But yes, I will at some point get there. And yeah. and because I do feel like it's one of those things. It's not going to go away until I figure out how, I, I don't know if it'll ever go away totally, but I definitely need to mitigate it a little bit. So mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. you and your lollipop toe. Yeah, lollipop toe. It's a new. It's a new thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, I hope not. Uh, no. Okay. No, I'm not. So, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, um, so today is a very exciting day in the world of another Mother Runner because the AMR Capris have arrived from the Fair Practices factory in Cambodia, and they're gorgeous. Even Alex knows. Alex doing a, is doing can't a fist pump them. over here. So- <laughs> he says he can't wait to get them. Yeah. So um, by the time you're listening to this, uh, the plan is that the pre-orders will have all shipped out. But hey, hey, we definitely ordered extras. So if you want to be in another Mother Runner from head to toe, shop the Mother Runner store at, you guessed it, motherrunnerstore.com. We just debuted tank tops that coordinate with the capris, plus a series of Boko gear hats and a visor that all look um, mighty spiffy with the capris. I think we're we're
1: informally Uh, calling it the AMR kit, which... Kit, yeah. kit, you know, kind of implies, hi, I'm going to go, you know, run the 400 meters on a track. No, no. It means.
0: <laughs> or stand on the podium. Yeah, or stand yeah. on the podium. But
1: it's more like, hey, you know what? Well, Sarah, Sarah loves her coordination, and, and I kind of like the word kit. So there you go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also, it's how we can spot each other, you know, spot other mother runners in races. I, was so, gonna say, I don't need um... any help being spotted. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm more like <laughs> I'm all giraffe. Black
0: incognito. <laughs> Still doesn't work them. Still doesn't okay, work. Okay. So so um so all these wonderful goodies are all available at motherrunnerstore.com. Again, motherrunnerstore.com. Our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy, we hope injury-free miles to you. Absolutely. Injury-free and happy and carefree and good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>